Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's a cultural wasteland filled with inappropriate metaphors and an unrealistic portrayal of life created by the liberal media elite. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What's going on, Philadelphia? No, 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 no. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. Yes, we Someday. That's Kobe Bryant, noted Eagles fan. So what are we down Maybe to now someday. in this in this uh, league of ours? For no Super Brown- Bowl championships? Browns. Lions. Lions. Vikings. Cardinals, correct? Yeah. Cardinals went to one in the past, what, five years or whatever, don't Chargers. have Chargers. Vikings, Chargers, yeah. We're, it's getting... Bills. Uh, Bills. Bills 0-4. There's yeah. some AFL teams. The NFL teams, I think it's down to... It's, it's Cardinals, Vikings, Lions. Unless I'm missing somebody. The NFC, you mean? Well, an old NFL. Oh, well, the, Bra- yeah. the Browns. The Browns actually were an old NFL team that transferred to the AFC when that came when they uh, merged and broke them up into conferences. Yeah. So is there about five though? Boy, are we at about five? Hey, if the Vikings, if the Vikings can land a top-notch quarterback like a Nick Foles for 2018, <laughs> okay, real quick, as our reckless speculation continues, if you gun to the head right now. Your quarterback for the next three years has to be Case Keenum or Nick Foles. Gun to the head right now. Because oh, three weeks ago, I would three weeks ago I said, "Oh my God, Case Keenum is better than Nick Foles." Save your bullets, it's Nick Foles. It's got to be Nick Foles. <laughs> Save your bullets. Put your bullets away. Dude, put your holster up your gun, and I'm going to give you Nick Foles. He was this insane. I saw some number. He completed 73 percent of his passes in the postseason. And the only other two guys to do it are like Joe Montana and somebody else, both Hall of Famers. He's just he just went completely bat bleep crazy and his, turned into a Hall of Famer. His numbers on third down were unreal. In specifically <laughs> between him and Zach Ertz. Like look yes. towards Ertz on third down, and it's almost a guaranteed connection. In the God. playoffs on third down, the Eagles were twenty six of forty three. Is that good? That's sixty percent. <laughs> the highest now granted that this is over a longer time period, but the highest in the regular season of any team, I think it was the Falcons, forty five percent. Oh. They were at they were converting third downs at a sixty percent clip. They were ten of fourteen against the Vikings on third down. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Okay, I'll admit that I was wrong on something here, and I kind of I pushed back at you on this toward the end of the season, and I I was half wrong on this, I guess. When you were sounding the alarm about the Vikings' offense late in the season, 
that, you know, they kind of looked a little rusty against Chicago and even against Cincinnati. They just didn't, it wasn't quite the same offense we saw in the middle of the season. I said, you got to stop worrying about that. Their formula to win doesn't revolve around scoring 30 points. It's about the best defense in the NFL, holding teams to 17 points to 14 points, 16. That That's how they win games. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, now that you saw the next gear that the Eagles were able to get to, because the Eagles formula was pretty similar for the better part of the season. They had a better offense statistically than the Vikings did all season. But, you know, with the exception of a small handful of games, they were holding opponents to like 13 points a game at home, right? They they didn't need to score 30 to win games. But when they had to, when their defense didn't step up, as we talked about at the top of the show, they could reach deeper into the bag of offense and they could pull out a trick play here, a big pass down the field there, a 38-point performance over yeah. here, 40 points, go beat the Rams on the road, score 40 points, right? They could outscore I mean, you. They, yeah. had they could that. outscore you if they absolutely had to, yes. And so while they did. I, still, I still think, based on what the Vikings formula was, it was revolving around defense. Like, I... I didn't think they had another level offensively to get to, really. I mean, they, they, you weren't going to score 40 points with K. You just weren't. That wasn't their formula. But going forward, if you want to start to beat teams like the Patriots, like the Eagles, when the stakes get even higher, yep. you're just going to have to have another gear that didn't exist for them in 2017. Well, and I guess my point would be this, too. If you look at this offense going forward and Cook is going to be back, and, and let's say you improved the line a little bit, and let's say you go get a big-time tight end, well, then you can take what you started in 2017 and build. You could get to the point, if you got the right pieces in place, if you did that, then you could say at some point very soon, okay, our defense is still great, it's fantastic, and it's the bell cow of our team. But that being said, if push comes to shove, if we go to Philadelphia and all hell breaks loose, guess what? We could score a lot of points too. Right. Multiple blueprints to win. That's what you want. You don't want... You don't want to be like the Gopher football team for even when they get, you know, when, when they had Glenn Mason and they had a bunch of NFL caliber players on offense. If they didn't get up by two touchdowns on you and grind you for 350 yards rushing, like that was their only formula yeah, to win. Right. And when you put a wrench into it, oh, now you got to throw because you're down by 14 on the road against Michigan or somebody. And okay, well, dead. good luck. And that's kind of the Vikings. You know, they didn't have to show the other side of it because they won so many games with that formula. But then you start to play on the road or against a New England if it would have come down to that. That's the difference. And you're yes. not going to beat New England 20 to 16. You're yes. just not. You need a team that is prepared in this league to beat up on on your your long list of mediocre to potentially bad teams. But eventually you're going to meet the Eagles and Patriots. And so now the question becomes if you've got your one blueprint you can beat the Lions. You could probably beat. You could certainly beat the Browns. Okay, and even the Saints. It took a miracle, a literally a right. miracle play. You should have lost play. that game. Yeah, but that's my point. My point is, is you can be successful and a very good team with one calling card uh, throughout the course of a season in which you play a lot of teams that aren't that great. Yeah. But then when you get to the playoffs, you're going to play three or four teams that are fantastic, and and if you've got one thing going and that breaks down against those teams. You're not just going to lose. You're going to get shellacked like you did by the Eagles. Yes. Uh, back to our conversation from before the commercial break. One thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys got the same thing. Dave said he was at uh, Super Bowl Experience. The volunteers were awesome. There were like 10,000 volunteers that worked They're all smiling. various parts of the 10 days. Couldn't have been more helpful. Yep. Whoever organized the thousands of volunteers. I mean, downtown Minneapolis mm-hmm. on Saturday was, first of all, there was like, Five inches of snow. You had 
absolute cluster bleep of people trying to get in and out of the skyways and restaurants and bars and overflow crowds and stuff. And the volunteers could not have been more helpful, friendly. Not that we would expect anything like different. It's a big time operation, but I'm just other than it snowing a little bit and it being too cold for people who aren't from cold weather cities. I can't think of one major thing that was like, oh, man, that man, Minneapolis or St. Paul really dropped the ball on this huge event. It was multiple venues. We're talking Target Center, XL Energy Center, Mall of America, Convention Center, uh, Northrop Auditorium, right? National television. All of the Celebrities place, yeah. coming in. 1,500 private jets coming in from it around the country. It consumes your entire town. Uh, my, fa- my favorite uh, volunteer was at the mall last week. And this poor guy had a smile on, on his face the entire time. On the third floor where we were, when you went to the bathroom, and they had a volunteer standing there. And I don't even know exactly why, because it was clear where, where you should go. But anyway, this poor guy was stationed there, back by the bathrooms. So, like, you can't see a thing. You're just standing outside two bathrooms. And he couldn't have been nicer. And I'm thinking to myself, bathroom guy, you know, if I volunteered, if I raised my hand and I said, you know what? Committee, I want in. And they said, okay, Judd, you're a bathroom guy. I'm probably going to be like, eh, no, you know, I guess I don't want in so bad. Bathroom guy was too had many a opportunities. Smile on his face. In this climate, there's too many opportunities. Bathroom for... guy had a smile on his face the entire week. <laughs> Are you talking at the Mall of America? Yeah, at yeah, the yeah. mall back. But, but the guy, guy was, was really nice. He was really nice the whole time. And it's like, I didn't need to ask any questions because it was very clearly said men, women. I didn't I, you say. You know what I think it was? I think there was a, there was a door, some sort of a like a staff-only door in yeah. that corridor. So I don't think he was trying to help you find the right bathroom, unless you were blind or something. He was outside. I think he it. was pr- protecting one of the staff-only doors. Okay. It's still and just really... there to smile and say hi and help you shake it out if you need to. It's still a t- it's still a tough job, and he did it very... He did it with a smile on his face all week long, and I give him a lot of credit. Without being too creepy. That would be tough. <laughs> I would not want that job. We went from NFL experience down to Super Bowl Live uh, via the Skyway Saturday to escape the snow a little bit. And there were volunteers at every single point of the Skyway. It was fantastic. You know, where are you headed? Experience? You Nicolette? That way. Go that way. Go that way. People yeah. directing you wherever you needed to go. There was three people at every little intersection helping anybody who was lost. The only thing I couldn't stand was the amount of uh, volunteers that asked me, Hey, did you download the NFL app? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, did you get that? No, I didn't download the bleeping <laughs> app, but I'm not going to. Just because Roger said you had to ask me how to download the app, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. They were definitely pushing their app, too, on get, media, too. I didn't get that one. Well, not once. I remember when I checked in at least once at one of the media checkpoints. Now, make sure you download the app, and she had me, like, a card that had the name of the app on it. And <laughs> like, thank you. Now we're wasting paper and technological space on my phone. Oh, one of them That's asked fine. me. I said, nah, I don't really want to. Here, give me your phone. I'll do it for you. No. 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 No, no you won't. No. I will be keeping my phone. Thank you. You're no volunteer. You are not getting <laughs> oh, my you're phone. You're being too friendly yeah. at this point, volunteer. Yeah, you've crossed that line. <laughs> this Minnesota nice has to stop. <laughs> uh, if you want to chime in with any of your experiences throughout the week, Six five one six four six eight two five five. You can also you can also email us Mackie and Judd at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com, and you know we'll take any stories you have, or if you have any reviews, you know we've got another big event coming next year with the Final Four coming to town, and you know what? Other than it being kind of cold, we get it. If you can't stand the cold, then just stay in the skyways or stay inside or in one of the venues. That it wasn't like people had to be outside. If you're no. outside, you're sort of unless you wanted to go to the Super Bowl live and. Whatnot. Everything is inside. It's yes. not that big of a deal. 
I did see some of the red carpeters from NFL Network in like their gowns and stuff. So Melissa Stark Instagramming photos in sorrel boots and like a sequin gown trying to run from somewhere outside to that's your fault, though. You know, February in Minnesota, everyone knew what they were getting into when they signed up for this. Correct. Um, and then we'll get to some of the other festivities here, too. I thought there were two I, two pretty good commercials. Otherwise, and you were in the stadium, so you probably didn't see many of the commercials. I did not. I saw one, and that was it. Okay. 651-646-8255. Let's talk about the number one REMAX results team in the entire country for a reason. It's the Chris Lindahl team. And the uh, the the entire experience I went through, which is about a year ago now, it was mid-February that I sold my condo for a lot more money than I ever thought. It's the level of expertise and marketing that you get with the Chris Lindahl team. They create a competitive environment for the sale of your home. So uh, they're they're pulling all kinds of people from their own databases. They're they're connectors. And, uh, and they're doing things in a way that not a lot of people are doing in 2018. So if you want to make more money, maybe tens of thousands of dollars more money on the sale of your home, Chris Lindahl is the team to work with. You can go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Or call 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. There's a reason why this is the number one REMAX results team in America, Chris Lindahl, back with more Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. I want you to do it. The good Lord wants you to do it. You really think so? I know so. On 1500 ESPN. I mean, you have to understand, we got the actual real vocal stems from I Would Die That's For like You. That's like the nerdy stuff question. Yeah, love. exactly. The record, you see, you didn't want to go in, but let's go in. I, want- I got... We got the actual vocal stems from I Would Die For You, the actual recording, and then we got uncut footage from his performance of it in Purple Rain, and somehow, some way, by the grace of probably Prince looking down on us, <laughs> it synced up. Like, it was like this like crazy serendipitous moment, and I just was like, this is like... This is beautiful, huh? I, I don't know. I just wanted to use the opportunity to do something special for this city, but most of all, for my favorite musician of all time. Yeah. Oh, that was from Fallon, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, his his appearance on Fallon, Timberlake. 651-646-8255. We'll keep open phone lines for another 10, 15 minutes or so. So, A, I love Justin Timberlake. I'm a big fan. I think a lot of people associate him with sync still and have not given him a chance. He's one of the top, I would say, pop musicians in the world the last 15 years. He's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. if you're still ripping on Justin Timberlake because... Oh, he was in NSYNC, and NSYNC is corny, and it's a boy band. I think you're missing out on a lot of his good stuff. But can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Did you guys see all the hubbub? Like, Sheila E. had to call Justin Timberlake to make sure that he didn't do a hologram. That they had a hologram planned. Yes, on Saturday night. I saw... All of it. And instead, they went to the 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 video footage instead. Unlike a sheet, yes, I did see that too. Like, so apparently Prince said, A, that holograms are demonic, and B, if I was meant to collaborate with artists from the past, like Duke Ellington, I would have lived in a different era. Whatever's meant to be will be. Don't try to recreate it with holograms, mm-hmm. okay? Do we really need to make such a big deal over that? Demonic? Demonic? If you want to pay tribute to somebody... Is it really demonic? Well, did like, Prince, is the intent really demonic? Did Prince really say all, all of this? Yes. Or did this? I mean, I don't yes, know. Yes, he's quoted honestly, as saying it's demonic. I honestly, personally, 
don't care. Like, it's fine. If, if they want to do it, it's fine. It's all, if they it's don't, all out of but, respect and in But in I tribute. thought the thing on Saturday was crazy. Because it was it was as if they were going to drag his name his name down, right? I, I mean, they acted like if you do, I hope this doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope there's no hologram, and it's like that seemed oh, okay, really okay. self important. First of first of all, this is I the mean, Prince. Super- Prince was pretty self important, but yeah, sure. But the point being, first of all, this is the Super Bowl halftime show. Okay, this is not like some real concert. Like this is this is has become long ago an attempt to gain, I guess, as much publicity. And and to gain people talking about it um, in, in a very short period of time, so like to act like the Super Bowl halftime show is some ode to music, it's not. It's supposed to generate people basically talking. So I was surprised that on Saturday night, my entire uh, Twitter timeline for a while was filmed up with, "Oh my God, if you have the hologram." Prince is going to come back and he's going to strike all of you down. Yeah, here's more Justin Timberlake with Jimmy Fallon talking about it. Minneapolis, Minnesota, this one's for you. It's a moment for me, if I'm being quite honest, because he's always been the pinnacle of musicianship for me and uh when we decided that like the serendipity and synergy that we would be in minneapolis and that you know he's such a special thing here uh, aside from what he is all over the world um I just felt like I wanted to do something for this city and something for him that uh, would just be the ultimate homage to what I consider the goat of musicians. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a huge level of respect. So if he was going to go hologram and then was told, call it off at the last minute. Which I'm sure he was, yeah. He, you can just hear the way he speaks, and you can just see in the way that he has crafted his own solo career for 15 years. It's very similar to the way it's it's very instrumental, and it's sort of outside the box in a lot of ways. So, yeah. I If he would have gone hologram, I know that Prince called it demonic, but I think that would have been a little over the top. A little over what the top. What they did was we fine. We scared him out of doing the hologram. What though. they did was absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, I agree that up until that point, it was really boring. It was. I, f- I feel like he tried to cram too many songs in. He had like how many songs did he do? He did yeah. parts of like seven different songs. Um, it was fine. It's not going to be. It's not the most memorable necessarily, I, I, other I, than the Prince tribute. I thought the Prince thing was when I finally got interested, and then he, I thought he closed it out well. I thought the rest of the show was just a snooze fest. It's better than the 1992 Metrodome Super Bowl <laughs> well, halftime show. Did you guys see that what? floating back around? <laughs> which was what again? That Up was with people oh, or something. Face. Um, it was a combination oh, of Gloria Estefan. That's, that's right. But I, it was like a Brian Boytano was oh, like, a, right. like skating around. The U of M marching band was in that one yeah. as well as with Timberlake, but they were in their regular marching duds for yeah, the it was 92. So I told corny. you guys, I told you guys the next step for this league, you take the halftime show, have it in in the city the game is being played in a venue. So you do not have to do so you take it out of the stadium. 
You put it in a. Why do you want it out of the stadium though? What's the because it'll drop it'll it'll drop people and now there's a rush to get everything out there as quick as possible to get the performer out there. I think it's a half hour show. Okay, so my point is instead of having this entire rush to get the performer out there and then to get the whole set broken down and, and get the teams back on the field. You put it in a separate venue in that city and have it as a performance. And you sell tickets and fans go. I think they like the half hour, though, because it gives them 18 more chances for commercials and sponsors. Sure, but I'm still and... saying it could be it could still be a, a long time. It can still be way beyond what a normal halftime show is. But my point is, if you put it in a theater of some sorts, I think it gets better. You know, the Eagles at practice, apparently this week, they stopped practice after like an hour and just sat around for 30 minutes. To simulate halftime. And that was the big thing. Brett Favre spoke to the team on Saturday morning, and his big message was, hey, the beginning of the game and the pregame, the pregame is so long, and you're out there, you're at the stadium in the beginning of the game, and you're going to be so jacked up. You're going to want to make sure that you don't blow all your energy by the time halftime rolls around. Then you have to sit around for 30 minutes. So obviously they had prepared mentally and, and even just like physically. Let's sit for 30 minutes. During practice, yep. and then fire it back up. You could see how that would be tough, right? Oh, you yeah. Just like you build up all this momentum and you're just in the going first to sit half, down and, and don't do a thing. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the the two commercials that stood out, and maybe Dave saw more than I. I saw all the commercials, and the only two that really popped for me that I kind of laughed at, or just I don't know, they stood out. The Dirty Dancing, Eli Manning, and Odell Beckham Jr. They showed that one in the stadium. That was pretty funny. That was great because it kept going throughout the. Uh... Throughout the whole game, those little snippets of Eli, like ten seconds oh, here. Oh, that's how they. Okay. Yeah, and you couldn't figure out what what is this? What's he talking about? Then they put it all together at the all end right. with the full spot. It's pretty good. And then the other one, if you don't watch, this is us, the show on NBC. This is us, and they they did. A, there was a big episode last night that unveiled one of the big storylines. So, spoiler alert: one of the major hooks from season two involves a crock pot starting a fire mm-hmm. inside the family's home. And Milo Vent, uh, Milo Ventimiglia is the the father, the young father. And so his character gets into some trouble because the house starts on fire due to a crock pot that malfunctioned. And so he appeared in a crock pot ad telling everyone, hey, I'm fine. Crock pots are great. You know, crock just make sure you... Mad. <laughs> the crock pot folks were mad about this. They're like... They don't start fires. What are you talking They're about? Fine, yeah. And so genius play to get him in one of these yes. ads. It's pretty good. And plus, the whole thing is a crock pot is meant to be left on all night long, and so now you're going to have paranoid people all over the country. Oh my god! Unplugging their crock pot. That's not the point. The point of the crock pot is you can leave it on all night. Yeah. And you can have it and cook stuff. And so now the crock pot people are very very upset. I think I had three commercial thoughts. For sheer wackiness, I think the Morgan Freeman lip-syncing to the Missy Elliott song and what was like a Doritos slash Pepsi joint commercial, that was memorable just because, hey, it's Morgan Freeman lip-syncing to Missy Elliott. That's weird. There was the Tide ads that went all game long. This is a Tide ad where they'd—you yeah, didn't see it, Judd, but they'd show you— what was basically a classic ad? It'd be a Clydesdale, or it would be, you know, something. Oh, it's Budweiser, and I'll, no, this is a Tide ad. See oh. the clean shirt? It's Tide. Yeah. Ad. Oh, I sort of like that. That's <laughs> good. You're right. Those are those are pretty good. That's I thought that That's was good. really, really brilliant. Awesome. Really, really well done. And uh, the Bud Light Dilly Dilly, it's dead. Not working. Those were terrible. I never really horrible. I've never really connected with those. I don't know. They brought the Bud Knight. So a guy dressed in medieval night gear, and it, I I thought those it just was not funny. Basically, no, they fell completely flat. I thought they were really dumb. And now Philadelphia has taken it, and and they've spun it to Philly Philly. 
Okay. So I think once that runs its course, then maybe we can freshen it up. The Tide campaign sounds really good. That's great. That's marvelous trolling. Check it out. It was absolutely brilliant. Let's catch up with Courtney Cronin when we come back here. And then later on, around 12.15, so in 45 minutes from now, Maureen Bausch, who is the CEO of the Minnesota Super Bowl Host Committee, we can recap the entire week, project forward, and uh, here's what I want to know in 45 minutes. Are we going to keep the zip line? Let's keep the zip line up. No. Get rid of it. It scares me to look at it. Well, you live... You live don't three towns away. You don't have to look at it. It's, all, it's always about you, Yes, right? it is. I don't like it. it. scares me. One thing goes wrong with that zip line and all hell breaks loose. Oh, okay, really? boys? Okay. All right. That's all I got to say. Let's talk Vikings with Courtney next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Frankly, I think the dogs don't like them because, well, because sometimes they bring bad news. Mackey and Judd. Animals sense those things, you know. On 1500 ESPN. Now lines up behind Foles. Foles moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. And it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. All right. All right. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Gun to the head because, because football is serious and we make all decisions with firearms pointed to our temples. If you, if you had to pay three years... The next three years, and this is your Viking starting quarterback, Nick Foles or Case Keenum. Oh, God, you had to do this, didn't you? <laughs> of course he did, Courtney. <laughs> well, one is, it, it's fine. Gun to your head if you're looking at one just won a Super Bowl. Go with the one that just won a Super Bowl. Right. Why not? It, it is amazing. But I'm not taking it any further than that. I will not indulge in any of that. This is reckless speculation week on the Mackey and Judge so Show. So if, if you won't indulge in that, in that Courtney, uh, Kirk Cousins, you, your thoughts here? Because in the past, like, five days, I've seen everything from the Vikings are going to be all in on Cousins to they can't afford that. What are your thoughts about a guy who, and I saw the ESPN report now, is that the Redskins, despite the fact they traded for Smith, might actually franchise Cousins, which would be, I think, incredibly stupid. But your thoughts on the probability, likelihood, or what might happen with Kirk Cousins to Minnesota rumors? It's interesting because I saw the franchise tag uh, speculation as well, and it means, you know, that that would be, I don't think that's a smart idea at all, especially when you just go out and get a guy in Alex Smith, and, you know, that seems to be the turning t- the turning point for the franchise. It would The only way it would make sense to me for the Vikings to go all in and give, you know, Kirk Cousins, who may not be all that much better than Case Keenum. In the grand scheme of things, the guy has not won a playoff game. Is he really that much better than the three that they have right now uh, that they have to determine between? I don't think so. So, you know, if it, if it, I think it becomes, if it's contract negotiations and things getting ugly, that maybe it's just, okay, let's clean house um, and let's go after a guy that had no ties to this franchise. It's going to depend on who they bring in at offensive coordinator. That's going to be the most telling thing um, going forward because he's going to, as we learned from Rick Steelman last week, he's going to have a huge say in who you know whose quarterback's going to be next year. But I'm not I'm not sold on on the Kirk Cousins stuff just quite yet, especially after we're hearing you know with Washington potentially trying to keep him around. Yeah. Uh, what what's your idea of a timeline here for for offensive coordinator? Is this going to be like in within a week? You think they're going to have one? Will they slow play it even more? It sounds like it. Um, from what we heard from Spielman last week, it's, they're going to maybe do one or two more interviews this week, which is why you were hearing 
uh, Philadelphia quarterbacks coach John DeFilippo's name um, in the mix there. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they, if they finish up interviews this week and then they make a hire next week. Um, and then, so going into the combine, they have their guy because they're going to want an, I mean, they're going to want an offensive coordinator down there because, you know, they're looking at draft picks and their you know, potential draft picks and, and scouting and, and trying to figure out what's next because in terms of the chicken and the egg, I asked Rick Spielman, like, philosophy-wise, you want your offensive coordinator in place first as soon as possible, really. Uh, and then you have to get down to the ground, uh, you know, trying to find your quarterback because free agencies, you know, when they can start negotiating contracts on March 12th, that's not that long away. Um, and they've got – they have more than their fair share of, uh, you know, big question marks uh, to, to negotiate through and figure out. Give me uh, your interpretation from what uh, what Spielman told you guys last week regarding Teddy, because uh, to me, to me, this is a great story. Because when, whenever an executive is asked a question and he decides to steer it to the controversial, something is going on. It's strange because, and I don't like this part of of the NFL where you ask the same question to the people who should be able to answer it, and you get the runaround. I mean, it's like covering politics. Um, it, it, the, the language says that what this all boils down to with Teddy Bridgewater, the first, the most important part is, was he physically able to play before week six? It's sort of a moot point because of the rule that if you start the season on the pup list, you have to be on it for six weeks. And as we know, he was medically cleared going into week seven uh, to return to practice. So, in terms of the tolling, Rick Spielman said that's not if, – if that does happen to where he'd make the same salary, the $1.7 million that he made in the 2017 season because that was the final year of his rookie contract, that is not in Minnesota Vikings' decision. Um, at, talking to D. Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, he didn't know whose decision it was and who would be, whether it be the Vikings or the NFL, um, to bring it to the NFLPA, essentially, if they're going to go in court and fight this. Um, so, yeah, the fact that nobody can really give you a clear answer, I think, is an indication that something's up. But, you know, you really hope it doesn't come to that point because Teddy's not, Teddy Bridgewater's probably not going to want to play for the Vikings at all, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to become a battle um, if you do decide to toll his contract, considering the fact that he was cleared and he did play. But there is that one stipulation in CBA language, which you need a law degree to understand, that... <laughs> Needed that you know he was on the pop list until week six, but it wasn't his choice because of the the mandatory time he had to spend on there. Yeah, so I know that you didn't get a chance with your own two eyes during the season to watch him at practice, other than like the individual stuff because they close it all off to media. But from everything you can sort of glean. You know, how comfortable do you think the Vikings would be? And maybe this is a different answer for Spielman versus Zimmer uh, versus other stakeholders. How comfortable would they be saying, "All right"? You're the starting quarterback. It's your turn starting in week one. You know, you, you think, okay, he was ahead of schedule. I mean, that, that to me, when Mike Zimmer said two weeks ago that, you know, they evaluated this whole thing and they found out there were like 23 cases and nearly half of them didn't come back. And the earliest one that came back from this injury was 24 months. I think that there was some hesitation that he really wasn't ready. I mean, there's the guys that, they're not going to put somebody out there if he's not physically able to play, and that's fair. But I just don't know if they were truly all in to the fact where, hey, this, you know, 
his leg is going to his leg is not going to be an issue going forward because he was ten months ahead of you know where where they expected him to be if he was going to come back at all. And it's interesting because you listen to like everybody Spielman from to Mark Wills and Mike Zimmer. Everybody's saying you know, how inspired they were by Teddy Bridgewater's return and how great of a comeback it was. Is that lip service so they can kind of part ways, or is it, you know, it's just an interesting thing to bring up because, you know, we didn't get to see what they, you know, apparently is what reading between the lines, they wanted to see him play. But we just didn't get to see it, obviously, with Case Keenum. But, you know, yeah, would they be comfortable with him as as their day one starter? You'd think so. Um, You know, especially, I think it's going to depend on who they bring in an offensive coordinator, whether it's, you know, if you in-house a guy like Stefanski, He's worked with him before. He knows probably better than anybody else how far he's at and, you know, with his progress and whether he would be able to last a 16-game season. What do you think the Vikings can learn uh, from the Eagles' success, Courtney, and the fact that if they now sit down and uh, break down what made Philadelphia so successful, what things can they take away and learn from them? You know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be a system quarterback. I think we need to kind of rethink how we look at that phrase where – you know, there aren't, you know, the, the the small sect of Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, you know, Tom Brady, these guys who've come through the game, some still playing, some not, who are Aaron Rodgers, who can defy systems that's so rare in, in today's game um, that I don't think it's a bad thing, especially what we saw with Nick Foles. The system worked. The run-pass option worked. And that's what got them here. And obviously we saw a different part of his game in the last two games with the deep passes over 20 yards, like we didn't see that uh, at all from him when he, you know, as a backup this season. And then when he er took over early for Carson Wentz. So I don't think it's necessarily, there's such a stigma associated with that. They built a good system around Case Keenum this year. And it was a system that helped them win. So why is that necessarily a bad thing when we look at system quarterbacks um, and try to evaluate that we need something that's, you know, somebody who's going to be able to work, from whatever system, whatever system you, you know, you're going to get, sorry, you're going to put in the right system for whomever your quarterback's going to be. So why are we so worried about, you know, oh, this guy can't play in the other systems? If he's playing in a system that works, why is that a bad thing? Yeah. Uh, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. If we thought the Vikings and Eagles were fairly even, maybe even edge Vikings three weeks ago, now that you've had time to process two amazingly impressive wins by Philadelphia, What's the most important distinction between the Vikings and the Eagles that has allowed the Eagles to go on and win a Super Bowl and the Vikings looking to reload? Well, they didn't have the injuries on their offensive line. Uh, that's, that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I think they, I mean, they were so aggressive with their play calling, and they never faltered with that. I mean, that's something that Doug Peterson you know, harped upon last night and just how aggressive they were going for it on fourth down twice. You know, They had 17 in the regular season. Um, you know, going for it twice with, you know, really critical play calls last night. I, they, you know, at the, at the right time, they were able to peak. Uh, you know, I think that the Vikings at some point, too, might have peaked too early because of the, you know, you, and you can't fault them, the emotion of the of the division, of the divisional around uh, with the win and the way that they won with the walk-off, walk-off touchdown was, it's a lot to overcome to go into the next week. The Eagles didn't have that. I mean, they had a, you know, big win over Atlanta, um, and they were at home and got to do it. But it's just, you know, I think it's just some of those things that lined up. The Vikings couldn't overcome there. And, you know, the biggest question with this defense um, still is going to be what happened in that NFC championship game because that's not that's not the way a number one defense plays. And I think that, 
you know, having that aura around them. They didn't perform like it, and that's, you know, that's going to be a huge question of why that happened. Still, that's still being discussed of why that happened and, and how that can be remedied uh, so it doesn't happen again on the biggest stage. Yeah. Hey, did you get a chance to uh, to soak in any of the, the festivities over the last week? What did you think just in general of uh, of the big event being in town? I thought uh, that, like the city did great with it. Um, you know, it was around doing doing work down at you know the media center out at Mall of America, which is my first time there. It was exciting, nice place, um, and and the Super Bowl experience downtown was really cool. I mean, I've seen I've seen it's kind of the same setup that they do in every city, at least in terms of like the you know go kick a field goal, run run a forty yard dash, all that stuff. But I think it's great for kids and families. Um, and the city looked gorgeous. I had a chance this morning to, you know, rewatch the game uh, on TV, and, it, you know, it looked really pretty. I think they did a beautiful job with, you know, getting the city together. And, you know, you hope that the cold weather city, I know that, you know, there's speculation out there that this might be the last one in a place like Minnesota, and you hope that's not the case because I think the city did a great job. Yeah, I think uh, I think we all agree. If it happens to be too cold, then so be yeah, it. Just like, can't control it. it just it is what it is. But like like Judd said, all the things that we could control in this town, I think we're pretty close to flawless. Pretty good stuff, Courtney. Great stuff. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, guys. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She's Reckless, a Vikings insider. If you come on this show, you are required to recklessly speculate about the quarterback situation for the Vikings. Agreed. It you have no choice. We should almost make people sign waivers, including yes. callers, that you yes. you must be okay with reckless speculation. If, if you are asked about a potential Nick Foles trade, as asinine as that might sound, you must address it. Yeah. Uh, we should get to the Darren Ravel tweet, too. We didn't get to that earlier in the sure. hour. Yeah. And then later on, we'll talk about Randy Moss, Hall of Fame, uh, Maureen Bausch from the Minnesota Super Bowl host committee. She's the CEO of the committee. She'll join in about a half hour, Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Are you guys ready to have some fun? On 1500 ESPN. Help fight type 1 diabetes by joining 1500 ESPN as well as Channel 5 and 45 at Mall of America, Saturday, February 24th for the JDRF One Walk. Join Team KSTP, co-captained by 1500 ESPN's Phil Mackey and Channel 5's Chris Eggert and Megan Newquist and help us raise money for type 1 diabetes research. For more details and to join the team, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Together we can turn type 1 into type none. We knew this would come down to the wire at the very end. We knew who we were playing against, but guess what? We won. That's all that matters. I'm so happy. I've been waiting for this all my life. This is great, man. My body's shaking. I'm so excited for Philadelphia. This is a great time for us. We deserved it. We're picking up some hoodies. We're picking up some pennants. We are so excited. We're finally Super Bowl champs. It doesn't feel real at all right now. Yeah, they're all saying that. They're all hey, saying that this morning. They deserve so. to today. Oh, they can they can trash they talk. They can do now. it now. Yep. I still stand by everything that was said on this show in the weeks leading up to it. Yes. The gap between your bravado and your championship success was so ridiculously wide, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Hadn't not won anymore. a hadn't won a title in the National Football League of any sort since 1960, and now you got one. And and as I said, if you can separate. Your distaste for their fan base with their team, I'm glad their team won. I'm glad they won. I was rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, mostly because of the fan base thing. I, could, I couldn't okay. separate it enough and, to, to allow myself to root for the Eagles. I'm just saying that I, I grew to like their team. Yeah. 
Here's the tweet that ruffled some feathers over the weekend from Darren Ravel. I actually wrote about this tweet, yes. He said, this will be the last Super Bowl for Minnesota. Too much money at stake on Friday and Saturday for cold to keep corporate money away. League can't afford to do it with sponsors needing to activate effectively. I couldn't tell if he was reporting or if he just hated cold weather and was speculating and in the mad, moment so he of like he was say, this is it? in a crowded, uh, you know, crowded area of downtown Minneapolis and said, bleep, but I'm going to tweet. So I, I guess if I had to lean one way or the other, will this be the last Super Bowl in the Twin Cities until the next new stadium? I would say, yeah, probably. Um, but the way that all the events went almost flawlessly and the way that the, you know, the, the game was such a recognizable game itself, which matters to some degree, like because people are going to think, wow, one of the great Super Bowls of all time happened in Minneapolis. Remember that? I think that does give you pause if you thought going into the week, this will be this a one-and-done shot here. The weather's too crappy. Now that the week is over, you can look back and say, almost everyone from the league office, media, with the exception of it being cold and it snowed a couple times, mm-hmm. those are the only things that would make you say no. I wrote about this because uh, my feeling is that Ravel didn't uh, just come up with that tweet out of thin, thin air, that he was told something. And I do believe that it's the last Super Bowl that's going to, to be played here. And I actually think there's a very good chance that in 30 years, point one is this. In 30 years, if this league is still going as strong as it is now or stronger, I think they will go to cities where they don't like their stadium situations and just threaten them. And be like, there's nothing coming other than your team will leave. Um, I also think in 30 years... Well, they do that now. If the, right, no, but they also say, we're threatening you, but you're going to get this nice care package, and you're, of course, going to have to pay us to do it, mm. but we're going to give you a Super Bowl. I think in 30 years, there's a very good chance they're just going to say, build us the stadium, or the Vikings are going to San Diego. Um, I also think in 30 years, if the league is going very strong, you're going to see maybe an occasional fifth uh, city rotate in, but you're going to see the Super Bowl played in Miami, New Orleans, Vegas, L.A. Now, here's the interesting thought, though, that occurred to me after that in 30 years. Is the National Football League in 30 to 35 years from now going to look like it does now? What's it going to be like? Well, almost assuredly no, because it's name anything that looks the way that it did 30 years ago. But what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying is that's far enough down the road where things might be drastically different given the nature of the sport given the fact that, you know, with all the concussions. So, but I do I do think that this is probably the last one. And if that's the case, we still did a hell of well, a job. I would like to see some proof on this. You know, I don't, I, Ravel's tweet is so vague and so veiled. I'll read it again. This will be the last Super Bowl for Minnesota. Well, according to who? Are you talking to somebody in the league office? Are you just speculating? Is it an educated guess? And then he says, too much money at stake on Friday and Saturday for cold weather to keep corporate money away. The league can't afford that. So he's insinuating that the money spent by corporations or advertisers at various events or you know whatever it may be, that that money was drastically reduced enough to the point where the NFL would say, oh, there's just, there's just not enough opportunities for sponsored events. You know, maybe, and I'd have to go look and see what some of the other warm weather, but I'm sure there's golf events and things that you would do yes. outside. And you can go to beaches, exactly, right, right. wear so, shorts, yes. So, well, but it's, but, but like going to a beach and wearing shorts has nothing to do with like the money that you would get from corporate sponsors, unless he just means fewer people come think, into the Twin Cities. I think cities. that's exactly what he's saying. I think he's saying, he's saying that, that the Super Bowl is a time for, for the league to reward all of these rich corporations and bring 
bring them in. And I think what he's trying to say in that tweet was, in this case, there were probably some that said hard pass if the game's going to be played in Minnesota. Well, here, here's a great example. So Fox Sports Radio sent a few of their personalities. We are actually, our, our broadcast stand was right next to the Fox Sports Radio stand. Mm-hmm. So they had Clay Travis down there and Doug Gottlieb. But the big-time televised Fox platforms, like Colin Cowherd and Christine Leahy and the the uh, First Things First with Chris Carter mm-hmm. and Nick Wright. Didn't show. And then what was the other show? Uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. They all stayed in New York and Los Angeles. I thought and first we take had heard it up. was... I thought First Take did, did show Not up. First Take. Um, the Skip Bayless, oh, Shannon oh, Sharp show. Okay, okay. Yeah. Undisputed. 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 First Take remake. Yeah. You want to call it? Yeah. And we and we were told off the record it was a budget cut decision by Fox, but is it possible they said you know what it's not the most you know compelling location for us and like if it were in Miami would they have gone yeah they would and would they have there. brought more corporate money in because now we're broadcasting live and get more sponsors and the answer, on board I think and, is absolutely yes yeah but but, I mean, but is that enough to not bring another Super Bowl back like is the gap between how much money would have been involved. And how much actually yes, was? I think it is. is it wide enough? And I need more facts before I can obviously go with that. In nineteen in in ninety two when the game was first played here, I think it was a very cool event and it was big. Now it takes over an entire town, and we did a very good job there. But if your town does not include golf courses and does not include palm trees, it's going to get. I I think because the game is a is a fraction of of what's important here. I mean, the game is the build-up to the game that week where you have all your parties and you make all of your your rich sponsors happy. That's what I think their intent on being right about. 